Hello and welcome back to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and as always, I'm so grateful that you're here. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I had the honor and the privilege of hosting Danny Boltz on today's podcast, and she is just one of my favorite humans on the planet, to be honest. Um, I've been following along with her for quite some time, and she is just such a complex, beautiful human being who is not afraid to share the messy bits of life, which is something that I appreciate so much in a human being. Um, And you're going to learn that really quick uh, when we start talking because she just is not afraid to go deep and she's not afraid to dive in. So Danny Boltz lives in Northwest Montana in the most incredible house that you'll learn her husband and her father-in-law actually built together, which is so, so special. Um, So they live off-grid. They have two stepkids and two dogs and one cat. And she also, this woman just has her hands in so many different pots. She is the co-founder of a product and lifestyle company called Honeysuckle and Mud with her husband. She has a Montana retreat cabin that is on Airbnb. I am going to link it because you have to see what this space looks like. It is on my bucket list to go and visit. She's an embodiment coach, a retreat business owner. She runs a line of retreats called Throughline Retreat. And yeah, she's just multifaceted and someone that I feel so honored to have on this show and to introduce all of you to. So without getting um, too sidetracked, I do just want to say that I'm a little sorry for my voice. I um had a cold when we were recording this podcast. And so it's a little nasally. I'm a little sniffly at some points. Um, And also I noticed that I am talking like so fast, more more so than usual. Um, Just very vibrant in this episode, which I hope is not a turnoff for anybody. I could just feel my energy levels were so high and I was just so amped to talk to Danny. And also, to be honest, this was my first interview since bringing back the podcast for season five. So I think there is some, there was like some practice in getting back into the rhythm. of being a host on a podcast. And so I think I've gotten, I've gotten my roots back, but, uh, yeah, just a little side note, just a little housekeeping before we jump into today's episode. All right, without further ado, let's go. I'll see you on the inside. Oh my God. Well, you also have like one of the most magical coziest voices on the planet. Like when I listen to your podcast, you really do. No one's ever told you that no feedback like that. I, I mean, I have had feedback on my voice, but not like you have the most magical cozy like voice Ugh. on the planet. It's so, I love your podcast just, I mean, for many reasons, but also just that factor alone. I'm like, oh my oh. God, I feel like the minute you start talking, I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm relaxed. <laughs> so, That's a huge compliment. Thank you so well, much. You are welcome. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Yes. So much. So first, I just want to say that I'm so grateful that we stumbled upon each other because you really do hold up this mirror for me in this way that's really healing and it's really peaceful. And 2022 has been really hard. Like I feel like personally, I've been on my knees for a majority of it. And a lot of the time it's easy to just convince myself that like, this is just my life now, right? I live on my knees. This is it. But Mm -hmm. then I'll visit Instagram and I'll see your stories or, you know, put your podcast on and listen to your vulnerability. And there's something about just like what you lay down that really resonates. And Mm -hmm. I always have this like visceral reaction. That's like, Oh my God, my soul recognizes this. I see myself in this. Yeah. Like (laughs) the slowness, the joy, the bravery around the sharing of the hard stuff. Right. And now we know the internet is like 5% of our lives as a whole. I know this and yeah, but that 5% has been really healing and a total gift for me. So this is just my long winded way of saying, just thank you for existing and just being who you are and sharing that gift with all of us. And thank you. Thank you so much. And that, 
that means so much to hear coming from you because I've what I do know of you and of your story like the thing I love about you is the way you share and you are Mm -hmm. able to share in that kind of messy middle which has always been a place that is such a huge point of connection and I felt that instantly when I started engaging with your work so I'm so glad that you feel that with mine as well. First, before we dive in, can you just share a little bit about where you're originally from, where you're living now, and what lights you up? Yes. Okay. Well, um, I love going back a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I grew up in a tiny town uh, in Oregon at the base of Mount Hood. I was a total mountain gremlin kid, just like growing up in the woods and um, wanted to get out of there as soon as possible, though. I feel like, Mm. especially in my teen years, I was like, get me to Portland, Oregon. Get me to the city. I need to Mm. be in the city. I lived in the city for a couple years, um, met my ex, who I then ended up moving to Montana with to help open a brewery. So that was like kind of the weird gateway into my home now, which is Montana. And we moved to a tiny little town called Libby, and started a brewery with two local ladies. And that kind of segued after a while. I got really into my yoga practice and I opened up a brick and mortar yoga studio in the tiny town, which I had for a couple years. Um, long story short, that failed. <laughs> it, was time, it was time to close that business. I left the brewery. The brewery still remains. I'm just not connected to it in any way. And after closing my, or actually it was during when I had my yoga studio, I met my husband. So my now husband, not my ex, ex and I broke up, uh, met my husband through my stepkids. They were in my kids' yoga series at my studio. So that was actually how my husband even came into my world was through them. Oh, hi. Instagram's favorite husband. I know. He's so special. (laughs) He's the literal angel of the universe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so we've been together almost seven years. We've been married for four and we live here now in Northwest Montana in our little homestead. This is the home my husband built. Um, My father-in-law really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. My brother-in-law helped. Weirdly, when my husband and I like got together and started to get to know each other. Like on our first date, I had said to him, I was a total creep ass. I was just like, I hope this doesn't freak you out. And he was like, what? (laughs) And I told him, I was like, from the moment I met you, you felt like family to me. And I, I share that because it wasn't just like the feeling of him, but it was like our love for beauty and the aesthetic of my home now and the way like our whole vibe was just so homey feeling and my home now is so it resembles so much of the farm I grew up in like spending time with my grandparents it's just really wild so it's kind of like a fun little magical um spin I guess I wanted to talk about partnership as a whole and touch on marriage and for anyone who's new to Danny today You'll soon come to know who Hi is and you'll love him like the rest of us. And you'll see, <laughs> you'll see their home. It is so magical. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, but, and that's funny because I've heard of you talk about your relationship with him being like this knowing, right? Like a fami- oh, yeah. familiarity. And I can resonate with that so much with Jonathan. I've had a lot of resistance around that knowing at first. For him telling him in my vows, it felt like I had known him for many lifetimes. And yes. it's really lovely to witness that from the outside looking at another couple, another unit. And again, the internet being 5% of what we see, right? But like the open letters that you write to him on your Instagram Mm. and just like about him and how you both seem to just like coexist around one another is really fucking beautiful. This is so fun because I don't feel like I get to talk about it very much. And I've never really talked about it on a podcast so much about our relationship. So this is really fun. Thank you. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely like it started with that feeling of like, weird familiarity and comfort. And um, but it also felt scary. And I'll tell you the scary piece, like, to be, again, completely raw and vulnerable was the fact that he did have two children. And Mm -hmm. you into a role as step parent at 26 years old like that really scared the shit out of me um but really when it comes to like the last seven years and almost seven years looking back 
him and I have been like the glue through so much hard stuff through parenting, through co-parenting, through my healing journey. And when I think of what this relationship has consistently been for me has been really this container, almost like a cocoon, Mm -hmm. really excavate and like get into my own healing work. Whereas before I didn't ever feel safe enough to do that. And I think just something in me, I feel like something in my soul just knew that he was going to be that for me. And that's something I have talked about, especially a lot of my retreats with women who are maybe single and looking for partnership or really desiring that in their life. But I was so broken when I met my husband. Like I was so, I was like splayed out on the ground and it Mm -hmm. was the most it was the first time in my life where I just had to share like the rawest version of me. And it's just been so healing. So when I think of like our relationship and what is the through line, it's, it's immense healing and just like deep respect and creativity. We have a really strong, sweet connection and I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so obvious and it really, it stands out. It's pretty special. And I think what's so telling about a partnership that has that familiarity and that deep, that deep resonance is, you know, much like you, I can relate when I, when Jonathan and I first connected, we were, we were friends, but same, I was ruined from my past two relationships. They had like ripped me open and basically I let myself just be like, Oh, I'm terrible. Like I, I don't deserve Yeah any of the goodness that you read about or hear about. Uh And then there's this person standing there being like, yes, you do. Like you as you are splayed on the ground is perfect. I will meet you there. Goosebumps. Yeah. And I feel that for you. Like just someone meeting you where you're at, you don't need to change a thing. We'll, we'll fix this together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I see that for you guys too. And that's something I think it's like, And I mean, there's a kind of a sense of camaraderie in that when you see another couple that feels Mm -hmm. similar, just Mm -hmm. in that, just that love. And it's not to, and I, I, I think the reason I haven't talked a ton about my love with high like this is because I think there's still a part of me that feels like, um, it's almost, and this is, I'll just say, I'm not going to try and mask it. I feel weird talking about it sometimes because I feel like it's a lucky thing to find. And I don't think that everyone necessarily will. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I just, I haven't seen a lot of examples of like the relationship I have with my husband, but I do see that in you and I want it for everybody. Yeah. And you can, I don't know if you relate, but like sometimes you can feel sensitive towards like, almost like you're overcompensating when really you're just like, no, there's like a piece here. It's a deep piece, but in the same breath, let's, let's maybe make sure the listeners aren't like rolling their eyes at us. Right. Because like we are humans living with another human and sharing so much space. So when you, when you guys do have that friction or you enter muddy water, not so much together, but when you are both feeling a little separate, how do you and Hi come together? How do you come back to that middle ground? Totally. I mean, it goes, I, it probably goes without saying, but our relationship has been riddled with challenge from the the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. my, Mm -hmm. between like my mental health struggles and then having two little kids that are now quite a bit older, Mm -hmm. um, to, I mean, it's just been, it's been incredibly challenging. Um, and there's been big chunks of time and it usually comes down to me, honestly, being like, And this is like the, I call it like the seasonal, or maybe it'll, I think it's gone to like the yearly freak out where, you Mm. know, we'll hit a next stage of development with the kids and I'm like wanting to fucking lose my mind. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? What am Mm -hmm. I even doing here? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we hit. And I think what ends up bringing us back together is just reminding each other of why we're in this and Mm. where kind of like why we got together in the first place, which is that deep bond and that deep love for beauty and nature and creativity and, and kind of like the bird's eye view, right. Of like Mm -hmm. looking at your life in a more whole picture kind of way and how Mm -hmm. 
the kid challenges is such um, a short time in the grand scheme of our whole life. Totally. Right? Yeah. So it's almost I hope like that answers you, it. <laughs> it does. And it's almost like you pull out this marriage toolkit. It's like in those times of separation, right? Mm-hmm. For, for me, I know it's either we need to get outside together. Mm. We need to be intimate together. We mm-hmm. need to laugh together. We need to yes. find something to like, yeah, make us laugh. That's usually like the three things where I'm like, one oh. of those is missing. And yes. it's funny. Yeah, it's funny how complex, right? We can make relationship struggles when really I think it does boil down to like the basic needs of a human being. Totally. No, I actually love what you just said, too, because I'm a words girl and I love the idea of coming up with like our kind of like relationship bond pillars. Like if Mm -hmm. we're feeling weird or we're feeling separate, um, checking those off, being like, okay, what's missing? Did we do these things? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's really fun. Maybe we'll talk about that with I'll talk about that with him tonight. So what about taking what you need for yourself in partnership? So like while still supporting the marriage, be it alone time or maybe even standing firm on something that's so wildly important to you, staying steadfast in your truth. How do you do that within partnership? I guess I can kind of give you this example, which I haven't told a ton of people because it's, Mm. um, it still feels very, very big to me, but I didn't go to college. I, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up, trying and dropped out. Um, but I'm actually going back to school. I'm going to, um, a massage school back in Oregon. Actually. Oh my so gosh. I'm going to love cool. that. <laughs> I love it too. And I'm really scared, but this has been kind of something that's continued to show up in our relationship where I have felt like I've wanted to invest in myself in this way, but I haven't felt able to do it. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like, um, I, I don't know. It's like a putting myself first situation, right? That was your question. Like, how am I able to give to myself? And this has kind of been like a long time coming and like this place in our relationship where I have felt kind of unable to touch into. And it's been a really hard thing for me of feeling like I almost like I'm stuck in a way or until the kids are old and I have to kind of put that thing that I've wanted for myself on the back burner. And I think for me in being able to give to myself, it's showing up in this way. And I, it's something I have not done um, ever in our relationship, you know? So that's really fresh on my mind, which is why I wanted to share that. But yeah, I think being able to put myself first in that sense of like, no, I really want to create a stable career for us, for our future. And Mm -hmm. this is the way that I'm going to be able to do that. So it does feel really hard though, because I feel like there's that part of me still that's like, am I worth like this time? Am I worth Mm. this like schooling time and this investment, financial investment? Um, so yeah, that's kind of something I'm currently chewing on probably weird. And I don't know if that totally answered your question, but no, it does for sure. I think what's interesting and something that came to mind when you were sharing that is like, I think sometimes in partnership, it can be really easy to forget how you used to dream when you were single yeah, and how you used to chase the things that you wanted when you were single. It's not to say that partnership holds you back. It certainly doesn't, but you do start to think in pairs, more than you think individually. And so what I'm hearing is that you're like, you've sort of reclaimed Mm -hmm. that individuality piece of like, what does Danny want? Like, not what does, what do Danny and Hi want? What does Danny want that will no doubt support Danny and Hi together? Exactly. Thank you for just like pulling that apart for me. That mm -hmm. helps me understand it more, but yeah, that's exactly it. And I think the big thing that has felt like a brick wall for me, but I realized that was kind of just made up in my head is that there are children here. My husband needs to be here, mm-hmm. you know, which in my mind, I was like, we have to be here. But I think I've just pulled that apart. And it's like, actually, that isn't true. He does need to be here. And we can do a creative kind of arrangement where I can go and do this and invest mm-hmm. in this time and we'll figure it out. Now I'm going to take it way back. We just like sort of followed this 
this natural road to you and your partnership, which I'm so grateful that we got to talk about that. But I do want to go back to something that happened to you when you were a baby. Can you share the event that occurred with your father? Yes. When I was one, it was actually on my first birthday, which is crazy. Oh, wow. My dad had a brain aneurysm. So he was 27 years old. At the time, my mom was 21. And he was in a coma for months. And when he came out, he had no short-term memory whatsoever. He didn't know who I was, didn't know who my mom was. Um, he didn't know really anything um, that had happened within like the last like five years of his oh life. So well before like the time he was even with my mom. So they, it was a really, really challenging time. Um, I know that my body remembers so much of it, but my, my mind doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because when people ask me like, how has this impacted your life or what was that like? And because it's all I know, um, it doesn't seem super odd to me, but I think Mm -hmm. like the more (laughs) I head down like my healing path and healing journey, I see more and more how much this did impact Mm -hmm. um, me of just like, just the simple fact of, you know, having a dad that couldn't be a dad. And, um, my grandparents helped raise me just in that I would be with my mom most of the time, but on the weekends I would go to their farm and I would be there Friday through Sunday and spend time with my dad. But it was more like he was my little brother. That Mm. was kind of the vibe I would like. He just annoyed me like maybe a little brother would. Um, His mannerisms are very young and still are to this day. And yeah, I think, um, one of the biggest, it's actually, and I'll, I know it's safe to share this here, but I've, I've recently started brain spotting with my therapist. It's basically locating the place in your brain through eye movement where you store traumas. Mm-hmm. And I have had a huge fear around anything medical related since I was a kid. And, um, I'm learning so much of like where that comes from. And, a lot of it is growing up with a sick parent with a disability and very specific memories that I've been able to locate through brain spotting of when I really started to, like when I experienced that feeling in my body for the first time, but wasn't able to process it then. So it's mm-hmm. shown up today in my 32 year old body as like severe dental anxiety and severe um, kind of like white coat syndrome that I've really been trying to love on and work on these last year mm-hmm. and a half. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic. I think I, I definitely have a father wound of not having, I didn't have a dad and the mm-hmm. father figures I did have in my life between my dad and then my stepfather who was abusive. Um, it was just really hard, but I think I'm seeing, I'm seeing it again, like that kind of like bird's eye view, just to bring that up. I've been seeing my life a lot through that lens in a way. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that was a hard, that was a hard thing to experience. Absolutely. Especially with like it being such a tragic event of like a brain aneurysm, right? It was almost like it was robbed from you. It wasn't like he chose to not be a father figure. There's some serious grief in that, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> um, and I I think just to, I'll, I'll share a layered piece to this, but there's also been this part of, I've I've actually, actually experienced quite a bit of like gaslighting from mm. my, my, my grandparents in that like, when it comes to me explaining to them some of the hard things about growing up with a parent with like growing up with my dad, I get they they're not cool with hearing that that does not sit well with them so they'll be like you have a dad though he loves you da 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 and it's been a really invalidating experience which i'm so fucking grateful for my therapist to who's helped me see mm-hmm. more of that dynamic because it's made me feel nuts it's made me feel like oh man oh my god it's made me feel like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and mm-hmm. it I can just see it more for what it is today. And I'm so grateful, but it's been really hard. It's been a hard thing to, and to live, you know, up in 
Montana now. And Mm -hmm. I don't get as much of the guilt tripping anymore, but there were years of that of like, why can't you just send your dad a letter every week or whatever it is? And I'm like, I literally cannot. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't have it in me. Is this, I'm not to, not to say that this is the sole reason, right? But as I'm hearing you talk, it's like all of this like self-awareness that's coming through. Is this ultimately what brought you to the work that you do today, that self-embodiment and the desire to help other folks tap into this and just recognize that within themselves as well? I think, I think so. I mean, I think our lives are so multifaceted. We're mm-hmm. so layered. There's so much I mean, that shapes us into who we are, what we believe, how we show up in the world. So mm-hmm. when it comes to like the work I'm doing, yeah, I mean, I think the embodiment piece, you know, just ha- having had so much anxiety and depression through my life and just trying anything and everything to make myself feel safe in this world. Mm-hmm. I think it's been kind of through that, like the fact that I have been able to find safety, not all the time. Like I mm-hmm. still have really anxious days. I still get low sometimes, but just knowing that I, because I've found ways to support myself and support my nervous system, like it's just in my bones to want to help people feel that as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't think about it. I don't think about for years since I started yoga, you know, that's why I started teaching yoga. I was like, Oh, this makes me feel better. I need to share this with others. Like, I think that's kind of been the trajectory of my life of every, mm-hmm. anytime I find something that makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to share this. <laughs> yeah. And you really do have this like really lovely, like, soft way of doing that. I think sometimes it can feel a little like projecty, right? Oh. When people are like, you have to do that. Like, try this. Trust me. Yours is like such like a, an honest share that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I can feel the energy of that being an effective tool. I'm so glad you feel that. And like, I'm just thinking back to, I guess it was July or August that I did my first like big, bigger group coaching program, the fully expressed program, which was literally like from my seven years ago, really rock bottom moment of when I met my husband, that was really the starting to peel back the trauma and looking at all of these experiences that really shaped me. And so it's like, I took women through all of the main pillars of what I have done over the last seven years to come to a place of healing and I'm not healed. (laughs) We will never be. That is not it. Exactly. I never, ever, ever want anyone to think that I think I'm healed. Um, But coming to a place of embodied love for myself and again, not every day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I feel so much better than I used to feel. Yeah, for sure. The confidence that you exude, it is so, it is like such a steadfast, like I know who I am. Whether you're having a hard day or you're having a great day, that that is something that I respect and I admire and that I'm working on every single day is to come to that, to find that like center ground of like the core of I know who I am, you know, and I think that can be really hard in times of roadblock after roadblock, which is kind of what my life has been mirroring for the past year. And I'm like, who am I outside of fertility? Right. <laughs> I'm like trying to find this new identity around not even like a new identity, but like a familiar one. I'm like, where did I go amidst mm-hmm. all of this pain and suffering? And I don't know. It's just it it yeah. feels like there's some hope at the end of the tunnel, like some light at the end of the tunnel of like, I'll remember. Yeah, I might not be remembering right now, but I'll remember. And I think it's like remembering, too, that you have been there all along like even Mm -hmm. in the this fertility process and these heart-wrenching experiences it's like that's you too Mm -hmm. totally that's so true I think it's just like honoring that harder darker slower quieter hermitier needing to like nurture um she's just as you as the other parts so speaking of that the tender and the importance of this subject yeah. of pregnancy loss and fertility. I, I have to say the podcast episode that you aired um, back in September. Wow. Um, it helped me so much 
so mm-hmm. much. I have trouble finding the words, honestly, but just like, fuck. <laughs> I needed that more than I even knew. So I remember I was soaking in an Epsom salt bath when I listened to it. Mm-hmm. And I, it had, we had just found out that like yet another IVF transfer was canceled. Mm-hmm. And um, I was about to hit another trip around the sun. I was about to have another birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was so angry. And as I just like sunk into your episode, I was just like quietly crying and, um, I don't know. I, I had this like epiphany of like, well, maybe anger isn't like the only place I have to exist within all of this. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I could also embody a tenderness and grace for what's happening. Right. And Mm -hmm. it it honestly did, that did not feel like a possibility until I listened to your story. So just thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sharing. I'm going to link it for anyone else who might, you know, be called to listen to it, but it was so mm. important. It was so important. And I just commend you for showing up in that way. I'm so happy that that supported you. And it's so funny because like as you're talking about listening to that episode, I was picturing where I was when I was listening to yours, just mm. like that huge heart share on what you had experienced. And I was <laughs> literally outside like shoveling rocks and like listening to your episode and crying and seeing myself in you so much in my experience. And yeah, it's we are in a club <laughs> together that is uh, not the best one to be in, but it does mm-hmm. feel so helpful and mm-hmm. I'm not in it alone. No. And that's a, it's so funny, like when you did. So I had seen that reel you made. And it was so beautiful. I, I'm trying to remember what the words were. Oh, you're not buried. You're just planted. Was it like me and Jonathan in the ocean or something? Yes. Yeah. And I did not know what you had been through at that point. Mm. So I was looking at that through the lens of not knowing about your history. And all I could think about were my losses. Mm. Isn't that wild? And I, that's when I messaged you yeah. and then you responded. You're like, yeah. Da, da. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's what she was talking about. No wonder it like hit me mm. in my bones. Yes. While listening to your show, there were I, I couldn't help it. I was like going back and forth between my notes, just like writing down quotes from your show of things that really hit me. And while Jay and I aren't necessarily in the category of unexplained per se, I wanted to share this thing that you said for any of the listeners who are or who resonate with that category. So you said there is no such thing as unexplained infertility. I just need you to know there are answers out there for you. And it is so important that we advocate for ourselves. Mm. I, I had full body chills. This is so I important. I just got chills. It's <laughs> so important. It's so important for any, it like makes me want to cry because yeah. for anyone who is having to work that hard to call in their baby or grow their family and be told that it's unexplainable, it really does feel like a slap in the face. And it's so much pressure on two human bodies, on one human body to have to look at themselves in the mirror and go, okay, well, now what? Yeah. And that self-advocation piece, especially with infertility, is both insanely intimidating and so fucking empowering in the same breath. It's this beautiful collision, right, between like finally understanding that you aren't broken, actually, and that you do have options. Yes. And that you're innately deserving of calling in what it is you want, be it a baby, physical healing, mental relief, what have you. Right. And and what's really beautiful is that it sounds like you have, after listening to your that episode, it sounds like you've been able to locate what might be the cause, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, an immunity link is what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've advocated for yourself. You've done the research. You've familiarized yourself enough with your own body to be able to recognize that like, hey, this isn't a black hole of who knows. There are answers here. There are possibilities. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I mean, I have so much to share with you in that regard because things move fast over here. Um, But thank you so much for like just listening and taking all of that in because that was a really scary episode for me to share. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess like long story short, you know, Hi and I have had three miscarriages together in two years. And then I had one when I was younger before Hi. Um, so a few months back, I got in touch with this woman who I have interviewed all about recurrent pregnancy loss, reproductive immunology, which is the path I started down. But 
I just have to share with you, you know, meeting with this woman who is essentially a fertility coach, you know, helping you optimize your fertility and get you in touch with the right doctors to help get you the right testing and just really get you into an empowered place of, you know, being able to fire your fucking doctor when they aren't listening to you, when you're experiencing medical gaslighting, when you are not being heard. Um, what she did for me in this fertility journey is really restore choice for me, mm. like to move from that place of completely disempowered, not having any answers, nobody advocating for me at all to just making me feel like, holy moly, like there's this whole world of possibility. And I felt like for the first time ever, my, ch my actual choice was restored and this is what I have to share with you is in that restoration of choice and knowing that there was all of these avenues that I could potentially go down, it made me tune inward in a way I've never been able to before. And it made me be able to hold the grief of losing all of these babies, of potentially never experiencing motherhood in the way I saw for myself and also being able to know that I don't think it's worth it for me to continue moving down that road at the same mm. time. Mm -hmm. So it brought me peace in a way I never would have expected in this whole wild fertility journey. And when I say peace, that doesn't mean that it's perfect peace and that's all I'm experiencing I still experience grief often mm -hmm. I still feel sad about not having my babies here very often while simultaneously feeling really good with where my life is at the same time mm-hmm yeah, I and I remember um, a line I'm not gonna do it justice but essentially you saying that like, motherhood is what I want. But if I don't receive that, like, I know I will be okay. Yes. And I got to tell you, I'm jealous because yeah. I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah. And that's okay I was like, to not I, be there. Oh my gosh. I took the biggest breath though, when you said it of like, man, I wish that for everybody. I wish that for everybody that there can be this like deep acceptance of what is. Yeah. And I'm still like nails on stone. Yeah. Right now. And it's a hard place to be. It's a hard place. It's a fearful place to be. As you said, when we kind of segued into this part of the conversation, there is a way for you to make this a reality for yourself. And you don't know what it's going to look like. Like, I remember when I was in your spot of feeling like, no, like this is happening. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. I would get so fucking pissed off when I would hear people say kind of like what I'm saying of like, you'll always find a way. There's adoption. There's foster. There's all of these things. Because I was like, fuck no. I yeah. want to experience pregnancy and mm -hmm. labor and all of these things. But I think it's like, I don't know exactly how I got to the place that I am right now, but I just want you to know that it's okay to be in the spot that you are mm -hmm. right now. And you're not, I mean, you just don't know where it's going to go. You have no idea. We know nothing. We know fucking yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's so true. It's so I true. Have, I have no words of wisdom other than we know fucking nothing. <laughs> we know fucking nothing. That's wise. That's about as yeah. wise as it can get. There was another thing that I couldn't believe that you said because it mirrored oh, my, it, no, it was amazing. It mirrored my internal dialogue to a T you said there. So your quote was, there's something wrong with me. I was feeling superstitious and blocked. Like there was something I hadn't healed that was blocking the baby from coming in. My God. Yes. Oh, oh my God. So we're coming up on a year of going through IVF uh -huh. and I had quite literally, I'm not kidding, convinced myself that it didn't work because I didn't meditate enough. No. I didn't go for a walk in the woods that morning. I was feeling no. like maybe I wasn't spiritual enough for this baby to come through. And no. I have to say, while I love the spiritual community, I'm incredibly spiritual myself. There's a line, man. There's like much like spiritual bypassing or toxic positivity. There I is can't. a fucking line. I literally fucking cannot. It's, it is so dangerous. 
And it is, that is the sickest shit ever because, you know, I've been in the same, I know that you and I have (laughs) followed similar work and we like, um, we're both spiritual girls, but to be hearing things like that. And I've heard so much of that over the last few years of this journey of, you know, you're blocking it. Like you're Mm -hmm. literally blocking it. Like people will say that that the reason you don't have your baby is because you are blocked in some way or you haven't healed your sacral or what the fuck ever. And I'm like, then you like take a step back and you look at all of the humans on this planet that have been able to have babies that are in no way, shape or form like practicing spirituality in any way. It's like, it's such garbage and I cannot, and it's so toxic and I treated myself so badly for mm-hmm. so long because I literally thought that it was me. Like I would think of every bite of food I put in my yes. body. I would think of <gasps> yep. every way I moved my body. It like you become so you can become so hyper vigilant and untrusting of yourself that it's just it's so wrong. It's so backwards and I'm so it's sorry. More, it's more toxic. Oh my god. It becomes god. more toxic the yes. way that you start to internalize like you said every little piece, every little bite of food, every glass of wine you've ever had. I know. It's it's so messy. Every and time you've had sex, like yes. after being pregnant, like oh my god, yes, it's insanity and it's like those are like true those will be like words of wisdom that I'll say it right now. You are not doing anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with how you are living right now. Are there always ways we can make ourselves healthier? Yes, of course, forever till the day we die, but you are not doing anything wrong. Yep. And I also hate this shit. Uh, This is, I've heard people say this so much and I just think it's, it's garbage. It doesn't land with me, but just like, you know, everything does just happen for a reason, you know, like this you know, it wasn't the right timing. I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't think it is. There's something outside of us that's like waiting for the perfect moment to set a baby in our lap. There's just so many other things that go on. It takes such a specific physical environment. So many things have to be aligning perfectly (laughs) in a lot of ways for it to be the perfect environment for a baby. And there's just so many factors that play into that just in our physical bodies alone. So, oh my God, sorry. No, do not be sorry. I'm like, I don't know if you can see, I'm like a bobblehead over here, but honestly, (sighs) it's, it's so true. And it's so important to say that out loud. And I'm honestly proud of us for just laying that down for anyone who might need it because man, I wish that I had this conversation buzzing in my ears, like even just a month ago. It's so important. Yeah. And it's not to like shit on the spiritual community. It's not. It's to shit on the black and whiteness of yes. This is what it is. This is what it is not. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to change. It's like it all it comes full circle back to that self-embodiment, that self-trust, yes. that inner knowing, nothing else. That's exactly right. And you know, there are so many roads we can go down. Like a lot of times there are things going on, like when it comes, I mean, like we were just talking about like reproductive immunology, like that was such a good example of self-trust, just starting to look down that road and Mm -hmm. feeling a full body. Once I started going really down that road, feeling how, holy moly, I actually don't think that this route is right for me. (laughs) And just like the things I would have to put my body through potentially going down that route of like immunosuppressants and um, almost like combating my immune system that's actually been keeping me incredibly healthy in a lot of ways, almost to a fault. Um, Being able to just know intuitively that that wasn't right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think fertility and the challenges that come with that, the only reason like, oh, things happen for a reason could be it does get you more intimately connected with yourself and with what you will and will not do. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So can you talk to me about just for a second? I want to hear your experience with um, 
softening those pieces around letting those things go, disassociating from that rigidness of spirituality and, okay, fertility, we'll call it. How did you begin to separate yourself from that and lessen Mm -hmm. some of that intensity and rigidity? I mean, a little bit was what I had said of like looking around me, like looking at the world around me and all these people from all these different places and experiences, you know, having babies. (laughs) And that was when I was like, okay, the whole spiritual thing, like, I know I'm not pushing this baby away energetically. Mm -hmm. I know that's not happening. So that was a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I think just really tuning into my body every day, you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about is daily embodiment and going on my weird little grandpa walks. Like <laughs> I love your grandpa walk <laughs> and my little sweatpants and just going all around the, the county road where I live. Um, being able to just do that every day for myself and be with myself and be with the simple, sweet moments of my day. I just, you know, I started to feel so abundant in that, so abundant and not in like a false, like I am abundant, but like, Mm -hmm. God, my days feel so rich, you know, Mm. the, and especially after the, I mean, all the miscarriages, but I feel like this last one, which was last September, we just, yeah, we just basically passed a year of that last one my husband and I have just gotten closer than ever. And there's just been so much beauty that has happened in this last year of therapy, of connecting with myself physically every day mm-hmm. and just kind of putting my blinders up a little bit of like, what's true for me? What feels right to me? And I think too, just allowing myself the space to hold my grief and my okayness together, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to feel sad and excited that I don't have a baby to take care of 24 seven. I do have the ability to go back to school right now and, you know, looking at those, the, the positives and, Mm -hmm. and not in like a, just make myself happy and like bypass the sadness. No, like, we had renters the other day in our cabin and I went out to say good morning to them and they had a six month old sweetest boy. He was so happy. I walk up, I just like instantly in my body, like I just wanted to squeeze him and she goes, you want to hold him? I'm like, Oh my God. yes!" (laughs) And so I'm holding him and we're having this sweet moment. And she goes, do you have kids? And I got the hugest lump in my throat. Like I cannot believe I didn't just start sobbing and I was like so hard it's so hard and it and I was like I do I have two stepchildren which is different right Mm -hmm. it's a totally different thing and so yeah I that grief is in my bones and I'm kind of to the point where I don't want it to leave because those babies are a part of me now and yeah I'm so like that gets me so emotional because I'm so grateful for them and I don't want to let them go. And I feel like every time I feel that like big heaviness, like that feels like them and that feels mm. special. It's almost so, like um, a teaching of knowing it's like they've taught you miscarriage can teach you to live in the both. And yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you're, you've made this beautiful life for yourself. And I mean, I, I have to imagine that everybody knows this just by listening to how raw and vulnerable that you are just as a human being, but it's not like you blinked and made it. So it's an yeah. active choice every single day yes. to, yeah, appreciate those small moments, to appreciate those small joys, to appreciate the sadness and the grief and to make that beautiful. Yes. That is what makes it tolerable. Absolutely. And it's like, when I think back, like when I am old and I look back at my life, I know I'm going to feel so proud of myself because Mm -hmm. I do, I do find beauty in my life every day, every moment and not every moment. No, not every moment, but like Mm -hmm. every day I do find something that is beautiful in my day, whether it's like the fire I built in the morning or just going on my walk and seeing like the leaves changing or just being with my dogs and them making me laugh. Like 
there's so much beauty in every day. And even that moment holding the cabin renter's baby and him being so happy and sweet and me feeling so much sadness at the same time. It was a rich moment. Mm. And um, I think there's a lot of richness and grief that we can be with more often. So beautifully said. I mean, that is the point of life is to gather rich moments, honestly, so that when we're old, we can look back and be like, I'm exhausted from how much I soaked in. (laughs) Yes. That is my goal. (laughs) I know. And you are going to feel that like that is um, something I see in you that I love is like you do. And what, again, the small things that I do see that you share online. And I'm so grateful that I get to see some of your life online because you do see those beautiful moments and true, like actual aesthetic beauty. Like that's something you and I really connect on. And it's just, yeah, you're doing it. You're seeing the beauty in your life. And it's, it's so special that you share that with us. Well, thank you for calling that out. What's so funny too. And I want to be totally transparent is a lot of times for me, that's a, um, that's a method of coping of like reminding myself that I am here, that I exist. Everything's okay. I have breath because Mm -hmm. generally when I'm taking like a random photo of like the sunrise, say that behind that photo, it is literally me going, you can do this. (laughs) You you (laughs) can, you can get through the morning. I know you're sad, but like, look at that sunrise. Like, can you meet it where it's at? Like, can we be grateful for this small thing? It's like a Ugh, it's it's again, it's that both and and it's like I never want everyone to like come on to my Instagram or look at my stories or my photos or whatever and be like, what an amazing, beautiful life. Like, oh, my God, she sees so much beauty all the time. I also want them to meet that with. Yeah, ah, this beauty is saving my life in oh a way. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I can relate to that so, so much. It's like, this is, this is, keep, this is keeping me going. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. So one can, step I, forward. can I ask you a question? Of course. So with all of these experiences you've had, you know, over this last year of like frustration and disappointment and excitement and disappointment, mm-hmm. like what is, what is getting you out of bed in the morning? Like, what are you, what are you holding on to right now? Ooh, I, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, the first thing that comes to mind is knowing that this baby will come. I have like a steadfast knowing of like, of just knowing the truth of like, I will meet my baby. It, it's not happening as quickly as I would have hoped. But there's like this deep bone inner knowing of like, it's okay. Like rest in the stillness before Mm -hmm. it comes to you. And kind of like what you had said of like, appreciate sleeping in, appreciate uninterrupted time with your husband, appreciate Mm -hmm. being able to book last minute plans, little things like that. I'm trying so hard, so hard to hold on to and be like, that's also really special. Um, Yes. And the bond with Jonathan, it has changed Mm. us so immensely. Like the way that we look at each other now, it like makes me want to cry because there's like this respect for each other where like we almost look at each other in amazement of like, I can't believe that you've gone through all of this and you are who you are. Mm. I can't believe we are who we are and that we love each other this much. Yeah. You know, it's like, I wish that for everybody. And I know that that's not the reality for everyone with hardships with fertility. I know a lot of times it's the opposite. And so remembering to be so grateful for that and just, you know, we have the conversation often of like, now hear me when I say this, I don't mean that we feel lucky to be going through this. We don't, we feel very unlucky. And, um, in the same breath, we're like, we are going to be fucking amazing parents. We are going to be so grateful for this baby. You know, we used to be like, we want three kids. Now we're like, please. Oh, my God. One would be great. You know, yes. it's like it's this shift in perspective of like, totally. How, how can we make this beautiful? Oh, uh, yes. And I just love your guys' love so much because, you know, going through something traumatic like that once and then being able to love each other so much to be able to go at it again. Mm-hmm. Try again. Yes. Yeah. Try again. 
Yeah. Try again. Yeah. And hold each other through it. There's so much fear and anxiety through the trying again and trying again. And the fact that like, yeah, a, a that we as a human being or as a woman who is physically going through it can yeah. stand up on our feet and do it is pretty fucking remarkable. I know. That, you know, like we are insane in the most beautiful, beautiful way. Yeah. We're it's incredible. Fucking insane. And it's yeah. like, you know, I guess I'll share this because, you know, I did say that I was in your space of no, like I'm having this baby and I'm not saying you're going to get to my spot, but I never thought I would be in my spot, <laughs> but I think it was like going through so much trauma for me. And I'm not, I, I don't want to like put that out or to make you fearful or make anybody fearful. It's just my reality of having four miscarriages. Mm-hmm. I got to the point where I was like, you know, I just don't think I want to put my sweet fucking body through that again. Mm-hmm. And I can't and touch that. You know, yeah. I've experienced one. I can't touch four. I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. And I haven't done IVF. <laughs> like, you know, we have so different, <laughs> yeah, our stories right. are so similar, but so different. So it's right. just, we know, we will always know what is right for us. And right mm-hmm. now for you, what's right is trying again and being in this, in this space. And yeah. it's a, it, it, you're right exactly where you're supposed to be just as I am. I'm so grateful for you. You're such a magical human. You're a magical human. You're a cozy ass girl. I wish I was at your house right now. <laughs> you're a cozy ass girl. Oh, are you kidding me? I want to be at your house with your concrete walls. Do you remember when I was like, excuse me, <laughs> talk to me about your walls. Oh, How the did clay you walls. do that? And you're like, oh, this is, yeah, clay. You were like, oh, this is damage. <laughs> this yeah. Is, it's gorgeous damage. I know. I, I do love that wall. I did take some clay off of like the upstairs bathroom and it looks really nice. I painted a wall. I just needed some brightness because our house is, totally. house is so, it's an earth den. Um, so having some bright white was nice, but yes, I want you here too. Your guys's Airbnb is on my, um, I have like a notes list of places I want to visit. Oh, it's happening. Oh. We are so oh. going to book that. It's well, so amazing. You have to come. So do you like snow? I don't think I know this. Oh, yeah. You. My husband basically like is a snowman, too. You so. guys should come in the winter because the cabin in the winter is so fucked up. It's like you're literally in a snow globe. It, you have the little fireplace. You're looking over a frozen pond. I can't handle it. It's it's my favorite place in the world in the wintertime. And can we like go snowshoeing and stuff? Yes. No, like, oh or cross country skiing. Like we always have our skis right outside the front door. Cause you can just ski from the house. Oh my gosh. And you can okay. snowshoe everywhere. Like there's a, there's a lake that's less than a mile up the road and you can snowshoe or ski on the lake. Oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. Maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll surprise him. I'll surprise oh him. Oh my God. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be so fun. Oh. All right. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you a handful of questions just to close out our conversation. Um, okay. I, I feel like I could keep talking to you for like two hours, so I'm going to. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So you ready? Yes. Okay. In a few sentences, what is your morning ritual these days? Mm, I wake up and I instantly drink a huge glass of water and take a bite of nut butter like almond or peanut butter and Mm. I do a Melissa Wood workout (laughs) so good every morning unless it's the morning of my period and then I don't and then I have my coffee and sit on the couch with my husband and build a fire sounds yummy what about the evening what's your flow we are tv wind down people (laughs) so I'll always make a big cup of sleepy time tea I do like the extra sleepy oh time yeah tea with so a little, good it's so cozy and I'll do like a little cream and honey and I'll lay on my yoga mat and we will put one of our shows on or um a movie and that's honestly the wind down and I'll always do mm-hmm. like lotion on my hands when I'm on the couch and um some lavender oil and then crawl into bed and pass out yeah we're tv wind down people too it's the best. <laughs> it is the best. I'm like, get me out of the day. Let me focus on something else. Uh huh. What is your ideal way to de-stress and unwind? I mean, okay, so not really like your your evening wind down, but when you are feeling frazzled, what's your go-to? Go for a walk. Yeah. Okay. I figured. What is your favorite scent? Oh, gardenia. Ooh. Yeah. Unique. I. S- 
I smell like it all the time because it's my hair stuff. So mm. I think it's probably that. And then like cedar. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite sound? Mm. Water. How do you indulge? What does that look like? It's funny. The first thing that pops into my mind is like cozy coffee at the coffee shop. Yeah. I love that. If you could call in one thing, what would that be? It would be a really comfortable home for my schooling back in Oregon. Mm. What's one thing you'd like to tell your younger self? You are not broken. Mm-hmm. What keeps you grounded? My husband. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay, and then I have this little um, box of like random, it's awesome, it's called a chat box, but I'm just going to pull one and that's going to be the last one. Oh, fun. Yeah, okay, ready? Yes. Ooh, if you could comfortably retire tomorrow, what do you think you would do to occupy the bulk of your time? Oh, Oh my gosh. It's so weird because I feel like I would be doing a lot of what I'm doing now, which is That's like the best, like flipping the cabin and um, spending time with the dogs and leading retreats. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, so you you never have to retire. That's like yeah. the goal, right? Yeah, that's that's what I would be doing. That's beautiful. Well, thank you for existing and for sharing yourself with me and with all of us. I'm really so grateful. I'm so grateful. I hope I was succinct enough. I'm always worried that I didn't like really get my point across. So I oh gosh, um, I hope someone gets something from this conversation. I'm just so grateful to to talk with you always.